let them bury me. I'm not dead. And welcome back to Scream 101. I'm Brennan Klein. And I'm Shannon Chalakian. And welcome to the first episode of our Zombie Appreciation Month. That's right. Forget Day of the Dead. This is Month of the Dead, where we're exploring zombie history, starting with our first ooh. movie of the month, which is uh, The Serpent and the Rainbow. Yes. Right? The Serpent and the Rainbow, which explores the very first concept of zombies in film and uh, folklore which was the voodoo zombies from Haiti. It, Of course, it's an 80s film because I didn't want to watch I Walked with a Zombie again because I hate that film. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. And um, this movie is, like, super interesting because it actually is kind of founded in, like, a real lore. I yes. thought it was all fake. But, no, come and find out. There's a Wikipedia page about it. Yeah, there's a whole thing. There's a whole bunch of films from the 30s before George Romero came along. This is what zombies were. But... We'll talk about that more later. First, let's start with our 10-word reviews. Shannon, will you grace us with what you have? I will. I will I will grease you with what I have. Ooh, gross. I know. Um, and I make that awful reference because I watched Grease 2. Not uh, Grease also. Grease no. 2. Numeral 2. <laughs> Grease 2. Why is Sandy's cousin British? The equivalent to shock treatment. And that is it because I am a busy college student. And I'm not too busy to watch sexy British lads. Oh, never, never. All right. Michelle Pfeiffer, whatever. (laughs) Um, My 10 word reviews are The Witch, a living charcoal sketch. Decide for yourself if that's praise. Deadpool, fun potty mouthed romp for the 13 year old at heart. And how to be single. Apparently, the solution is to be in a relationship. Yawn. All right. So as normal, we will proceed with our discussion, which has spoilers. And as always, it starts with Brennan reading the plot. And here's the plot to The Serpent and the Rainbow. In a time of social and political unrest in Haiti, anthropologist Dennis Allen travels to the torn country to study a voodoo drug used in religious practices to turn victims into living zombies. With the help of a witch doctor and a fellow researcher, Dennis pieces together the deadly mystery. But as Dennis uncovers the secrets behind the mysterious powder, he must evade the Haitian authorities who view his research as a potential threat. Literally, this movie is Indiana Jones if Indiana Jones was a capitalist sellout for a medicinal industry. Yeah, you're not wrong. It's Indiana Jones with even more snakes, maybe? And more dream sequences. Definitely more dream sequences and more uh, cravenisms, which we will talk about in a while. But to start, so we have four ratings on a five-point rating system. Scariness, one to five screams. Campiness, one to five perms. Gore, one to five severed limbs. And quality, one to five unlucky stars. Brennan, let's start with scariness. What do you rate it? Okay, I I rated this film three out of five on scariness. It's a very, very curious film. And I have kind of a dissertation that I think I might dive into in the quality discussion. But what it really has in strong supply is eerie, phantasmagorical atmosphere. Lots of weird dream sequences, lots of 
voodoo practices that are super freaky. So I really appreciated this film on an aesthetic and atmospheric level. It created a lot of tension inside my body. <laughs> um, like, Shannon, I know you didn't super appreciate this film all the way through, but there were one or two scenes that definitely made you kind of like yowl like a cat. Yep. Like, there's a scene where this um, zombie dressed in like a wedding dress with a veil over her face starts like walking towards the guy across this jungle area. Right. And she's making this weird kind of faraway squeaking noise. And then he lifts up her veil and then her jaw breaks and a snake leaps out. And it's just so eerie and strange and something that you have to see to believe. And yeah. that kind of um, imagery kind of pervades the film. So it's got it's really skilled in creating that quality. Absolutely. I mean, definitely watching her detach her own jaw was something else. Um, but I also rated it three out of five. For reasons like that, uh, um, they really enjoyed their creatures in this film. There's snakes, scorpions, tarantulas, um, you know, you name it, they got it. It's, it's like a super sale on, on creepy, crime, creepy, slimy things. Yeah, snakes, spiders, scorpions, oh my. Literally. Um, so there was, there was a lot of that that adds to the tension. Um, it was definitely in a foreign landscape um they, it looks like they film, filmed it like on site in in haiti they they did mostly they got mm -hmm. kicked out of the country because there was political unrest so they filmed the rest in the dominican republic but they were still in the area right right yeah so that also makes it a little uneasy because it is like a completely different different place and then the juxtaposition between him going back to the western world oh my god is, going back yeah. to whitesville mcwhitesersons yeah literally and so um that was definitely something else. Um, so yeah, and then the dream sequences weren't dist distinguished uh, from reality very well, you know, which is pointed, like they did that on, on purpose. So oftentimes in the movie, you're like, I don't know if this is actually happening or, or if this is a dream sequence. Um, so it was, you know, very tense. I think tense is, is a good word for it. Um, I'm going to put this right next to Babadook on my shelf and just nice. not watch it again. So, <laughs> yeah. But on to campiness. Um, I'll start. We'll trade off today. Uh, <laughs> I rated it a 2 out of 5. It's hard to say how, how campy a thing is if it's not on the Western perspective, you know? Yeah, that's very true because um, it displays a lot of uh, cultural traditions from Haiti and a lot of uh, like rituals and ceremonies. And it's just kind of like a look at the culture of Haiti which is not something that you normally see in a lot of horror films, especially. Yeah. Um, you see a lot of just made-up voodoo, Satanist crap. So I feel like most of this was fairly faithfully realized, and right. it's not really our place to kind of comment exactly. on that. Yeah, it's it, just an it interesting be. perspective. Yeah, we couldn't be like, oh, my God, you know, the the paint they put on their face was blah, blah, blah. Like, that wouldn't be appropriate for us to say, and yeah. we aren't qualified to so um although the, i know the only thing we can talk about is the campiness when it get, got back to the western world you mean like downton abbeville yeah. they were so prim and proper and uptight in well, boston yeah it's boston it's harvard so um these are the the rich of the rich the elite of the elite and they even had a computer that helped them with the dna scanning so you know that they are oh hoity yeah toity. when we go back to the western world we see like this woman in this like red dress she looks like 
I don't know what she looks like. She looks like the. She looks like Morgan Fairchild, kind of. Yeah, she looks like like um, the hot stepmom who like stole the dad away, you know, like, uh, et cetera. And she is married to the guy who's like a rep for a pharmaceutical company who was trying Which to get is the whitest job there is. <laughs> literally, um, and then Dennis, aka Kentucky Jones. <laughs> um, was is all down for helping this pharmaceutical company get its, its pa- hands on this uh, anesthesia. Yeah, he so. has no qualms about this. He's like, I could save forty to fifty thousand lives by discovering this drug that can make people dead for a little bit. Right. All right. I got money. Like, Give it send to me. me to Haiti. Like, put my life in danger. I'm fine. I can save two million people. Yeah, and they keep telling him to leave, and he's like, No, I gotta find this drug to save. Okay. I'm not anti-saving 40,000 lives, right. but in the grand scope of the American healthcare system, it's not really too many. <laughs> right. And 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 then the pharmaceutical guy is always so funny because he's like, think about all the people it can save in America and maybe the world. You know, like always like a to the side. Yeah, so. that is... Um, there is something to be said. I was going to bring this up later, but this movie is very political. Yeah. Um, the juxtaposition between like the upstairs, downstairs, Haiti, like third world, um, white first world combination mm-hmm. um, is really interesting. And it's not as annoying as it could have been where it's like, because it's not white savior comes in to change this or like, it's not quite like, ooh, other country bad it's just kind of like you're trying to just mess with a culture without understanding it and that'll like bite back at you right exactly you have to go through the the right way like obviously there's a lot of like social political discussion to be had about this movie but i think that um most of what it is talking about is more of a science versus faith and dances with wolves type no um. yeah and muriel brings up that whole situation because she is a doctor she's a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. um who also you know is haitian and is part of the voodoo faith um so she has this very like prometheus moment where she's like my faith and my and my job are two separate things but in haiti she says this line about like in haiti 85 percent of people are catholic but 110% of them are voodoo. And you're like... Yeah, she she moonlights as a basketball coach, apparently. <laughs> anyway, I think we're rambling a little bit. My campiness is two out of five perms because, first of all, the title card looks like an NES like video game yeah, from 1981. absolutely. Um, also, at one point when he's back in Whitesville, McWhite town, um, he's eating soup with all of the people and a hand comes out of his soup. And it's pretty creepy, but it just reminded me of like Drag Me to Hell with the eyeball and the girl's cake. Like It was a very Sam Raimi esque moment and yeah. i chuckled to myself yeah i also love how the line directly after that was just like this the service person being like maybe sir prefers a salad <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah i agree anything else about caminus uh no i think we kind of beat that into the ground yeah i think so too okay gore gore is two out of five for me um there weren't actually a lot of gory effects uh a lot of it was cravenisms as far as like stretchy limbs like phantasmagoria yeah oh i see what you did there that's funny um yeah and then uh what blood there was looked good but again there wasn't a lot of it a lot of it was like a lot of the scare tactics involved creatures and magic and voodoo and strange things so it didn't it wasn't like the classic slasher film where you can just cut someone to pieces and i'd be like yeah 
So Gore was a two to five. And yourself? Um, this might this is probably a debatable score, but I gave it three out of five. Okay. There aren't a lot of you're right. There are not a lot of big gore set pieces, but I felt like there was more gore than there was, especially because a lot of the voodoo ceremonies are very uh, um, graphic. Yeah, they're very graphic. They're very um, macabre, and they're very. Um, it's a culture that's kind of centered around death. And there's the part where they have to like crack open the skull of a corpse to make this voodoo powder. And there's a lot of just really oh, yeah. visceral, gross things that aren't necessarily gore, but they really worked for me. Yeah. And I can see that. Also, they they frame uh, Bill Pullman, the main character, for uh, the murder of the sister of this zombie guy. But he wakes up in her headless corpse is in bed with him and the head just like rolls over to him and it, it looks pretty to- cool yeah it was a total godfather move as far as like oh definitely yeah yeah um, and because he wakes up in bed after a nightmare and the girl next to him is all covered in sheets and you're like well that's not the girl he came home with right like oh she must he must have killed her in his sleep it's the crypt keeper <laughs> jamie lee curtis from freaky friday <laughs> All right. So what's your quality score, Shannon? My quality is a two out of five. I would not watch this movie again voluntarily. Um, It definitely was interesting. Like I said, I think it was brave of Wes Craven to take on such a politically tense movie. Um, But overall, uh, I probably wouldn't watch it again. I don't know. Yeah, I I understand that. I gave it three out of five, but I'm very, very loosey-goosey about where that number would go. Right. Because as a plot, it's not all there. No. There's a lot of narration, and I feel like, did you paper over stuff that you couldn't get? Yeah, the narration was so weird. I don't know. I just I just kind of feel like they didn't get the proper amount of coverage, possibly because of the severe problems they had while filming. Like, they got kicked out of the country. Uh, the writer actually got involved with some crazy drug stuff and locked himself in his hotel room for, like, a week and got Whoa. sent back to America. Whoa. Um, some stuff went down. Voodoo drugs? Basically, yeah. Whoa. See, like, this movie is, like, and th- as far as that goes, like, that's really interesting. I felt like the the scenery was really interesting, like, where the context of it was really interesting. But I didn't feel connected to any of the characters. And I just, yeah. like, there wasn't, like, a driving um, force to be connected. So Yeah. Like, the, the culture and the context are great. Mm-hmm. The plot is just like a gossamer web barely connecting things yeah there's one thing that i liked about the plot is that like the argument can be made that it feels kind of like you drank a drug cocktail and now you're watching a movie right (laughs) because i mean there's a lot of weird logical leaps that get explained later Mm -hmm. like um they don't explain right away who the corpse in bed with him is they Mm -hmm. don't explain right away a lot of details about the scenes Mm -hmm. so you're presented with something and you just have to process it as something that is there that I don't understand. And then later they tell you what it is. Yeah. So you get a lot of information, but not in the right order. And it's very trippy. Yeah, that's true. Because they did that a couple times. They did yeah. it once with the girl who's dead in the bed. Right. And they're like, oh, afterwards, like you're, you've been arrested for killing so-and-so sister. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, that's who that is. And there was a sleight of hand involving rat poison and like a a identical bottle of some of the same thing that was and salt or maybe it was powdered milk it was a whole it was a whole 
charade. Oh, powdered milk. That's really what it is. Yeah. Yeah, and then so they just he just like switched it, but then he explained it to the girl later when she was like, "How did you do that?" And he was like, "Oh, look," and he did it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's a lot of stuff like that. It's very Wes Craven. I think it actually has some of his best or one dream sequence in particular is one of his best. I wouldn't say that anything can really combat Nightmare on Elm Street, which I think is a masterpiece. But there's a dream sequence where the guy is in this kind of like cabana room with his doctor, partner, perhaps girlfriend. Ooh. Mm. But like he gets out of bed because he sees the gross zombie and his jaguar spirit animal, <laughs> which let's just... It's uh, the best part of the movie. Yeah, he like drinks some peyote mixture in the beginning and he sees a jaguar spirit animal that chases him, but then it's just a big cat that he gets to pet, which is my secret dream. Right? Literally a spirit animal, too. We're yeah. not being culturally appro- uh, uh, appropriating. We're actually. It's yeah, like that's what, what he did. But anyway, so he sees all this stuff and then he wakes up and he turns around. The bed's empty. All the doors and window shutters close. The door has a big cross carved in it, and it turns into the lid of a coffin that then fills with blood, and it's gorgeous and surreal and really, really, like, meaty cinema-wise. Like, it's really, really, that's a brilliant sequence. Yeah, it reminds me of kind of, like, the Italian, like, we did, obviously, Italian month. Uh Uh-huh. Was it last month? It was in January, I think. Okay. Yeah, we, I don't know, we did Italian month at some point. Um, but it reminded me some of those scenes because the colors were so mm-hmm. different and uh, it was so drastic and dramatic. So, yeah, I agree. That was an awesome scene. Yeah. Uh, like, Wes Craven, he's done a lot of dream stuff and sometimes it's like, all right, let's uh, move on. But I think this was kind of a showcase of some really, really cool stuff that he didn't get to do other times. I agree. All right. So... Moving right along. Got to move on to champion dialogue, our favorite segment. Brennan, let's start with you. What was your champion dialogue? All right. My champion dialogue doesn't really need much introduction. This is what uh, the doctor partner lady, Marielle, says to... What's his name? Dennis? This is what Marielle... Jones. Yeah. This is what Marielle says to Dennis after um, she realizes that he's not all he's cracked up to be. The way Professor Schoenbacher spoke of you, it was as though you could walk on water. Now I know why. Shit floats. And that line is just so Wes Craven. And I'm like, the full disclosure, he did not write this script. But there are a couple lines that feel really like his kind of campy, goofy yeah. uh, tone. So I totally understand why he picked this script to shoot. Absolutely. And that line is like a solid at the top. Yeah, sometimes when we watch this, these movies, you can like like tell when there's a winner when you know that it's going to be a champion dialogue. Like, oh yeah, like automatically. Like in a in a sitcom episode, that's the part where um, like that's the punchline where they're going to lead you out of the scene, right. or they're they're going to uh, like in a sitcom, that's the part where they wait like ten seconds because they know that the laughter is going to come and they can't talk. Right, exactly. They have to like hold off for like a significant amount of time, uh-huh. and they kind of do that here, where like she says it and then she walks away. So then you have oh, yeah. that like that time to like process what she said. Uh, but yes, great line. Um, mine was they were they were introing um, a whole bunch of the characters, and they were looking for the zombie named Kristoff. <laughs> and in order to find Kristoff, because apparently he had disappeared, they had to ask people, but no one wanted to answer them because they are foreigners. Well, he's a foreigner. Um, so they go up to this voodoo witch, um, who is a voodoo witch, and they say, 
hey, where's Kristoff? And she says this. I told you. He is dead. What should I know about the dead? Which I just thought was really funny because obviously she deals with the dead all the time. Mm-hmm. She's a voodoo witch. But she's just like blatantly bl- being like, he's dead. What do I know? Like, yeah. You're, and your lines always catch me like out of left field. Because I'm always like, oh, Shannon's going to love this big line or this big line. She's like, I like the thing that the person who was on screen for two seconds said. And I was like, well, this is Shannon. Hello. It's good transition. Like, it it, it really moves the story along in creating the community. Oh, yeah. Know? No, it's a, it's a great moment. But I'm glad you reached, like, really deep into that bag. Oh, yeah. Always. Always. Uh, anyway, so those are our champion dialogues. On to favorite character. Who was your favorite character, Brennan? Um, I'm going to go through this one pretty quick because most of the characters I didn't really kind of find a foothold on. I didn't really care about a lot of characters. Mm-hmm. But my favorite character, his name is Mozart. He's the guy that helps Bill Pullman create the voodoo drug that he has come for. And he's kind of a con man. Like He kills a goat with rat poison, pretending it's the actual powder. And also, apparently, he works for the airline because he just sneaks onto a plane and like, hey, where's my money? And then there's this like really sweet moment where the guy's like, oh, the evil warlord took my money. And he's like, okay, well, take the powder anyway. You earned it. And then he steals his watch. And like, he's just such like a, like he's one of those smooth talking sassy con men guys. And I like those guys. Yeah. I definitely like that too. I think they totally missed out on just like, they had the, a moment where they were trying to figure out how, what to, to name the concoction uh-huh um back in the west in the west or it's like it was it was like voodoo sill or zomba it was zombicil yeah it was zombicil and he and the guy was just like can you believe i hire people to come up with names and they come up with zombicil like frankenberry like, like i could have done that yeah but the whole point was that mozart's saying like um like i'll give you this powder as long as they know my name like make sure that they lo- they know my name uh-huh. they being the people who benefit from it and so it's like okay no offense but I feel like people already know the name Mozart. Okay, that's true. But like uh, you're not you're not gonna take over. Yeah, I think. But I thought Mozart was what he nicknamed him. Well, that was his last name. Okay, whatever. Uh, anyway, so there was an opportunity right there where they're like, we're trying to figure out what to name it, and Bill Pullman could have been like, how about Mozart Sill or like whatever, where he's like throwing his run to bone because you you watch him on screen like in the next scene die, uh-huh. you know, or be killed. So. Um, How about Amadeus, 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 Amadeus? Yeah, so that would have been, that would have been, um, I don't know, that would have been so poignant. I'm, I'm just, I'm just searching for those poignant moments, Brennan. That aren't super there. Yeah. So, what's your favorite character? My favorite character, um, we talked about him briefly. So we said that uh, we, they stopped by the Voodoo Witch to find a zombie named Kristoff. So Kristoff is this amazing character. For anyone who's seen Hocus Pocus, he is the equivalent of Eddie from Hocus Pocus. Uh, he just has these like this like weird ragtag hair and um, he like mutters to himself. And then we find out later that he was a school teacher that was speaking about the revolution. And so they- yeah, He was a to, radical. Yeah, he was a radical. So they killed him um, using the, well, they actually didn't kill him, I guess. But they zombified him. Um, and then they took his soul because that's how that works, I guess. It's it's very debatable because it's that whole thing between science and faith. Like, is it a right. drug that, um, well, basically what does happen is it slows down your heart rate so it looks like you're dead. 
but your brain is still working so you're aware of what's happening right and then you get buried alive and that drives you crazy and you think that you're dead right and then once you come once your um physical faculties come back you crawl out of the grave and you're like just insane because like what happened to you is something that no living person should have happened to them. Yeah. So they just believe that they're no longer living. Yeah. Um, anyway, so the reason that I love him though, Christoph specifically is that, um, later main character, Kentucky Jones or whatever his name is, gets buried alive. Right. And usually what happens is, is with the zombification, they zombify him, they bury them alive and then they come back like days or weeks later after they've been become crazy and then they dig him, dig them out, saying like, "Your soul is mine. You're indentured to me." Like stuff like that. Uh huh. Um, Christoph has been residing in cemeteries, and uh, he has been no help up to that point. They keep asking him to like help them and talk to them, etc. And he's been no help. And then all of a sudden, uh, Kentucky Jones gets buried alive, and Christoph digs him out. I mean, digs him out like like a puppy, like just like yeah, just scrabbling like. <laughs> Yeah, digs super fast and then pulls him out and saves him. And you're just like, oh, Christoph, yay. Like, out of the blue, yeah. you know? He just waltzes in. Just waltzes. Christoph waltzes in. <laughs> you took that from me, you sneaky Yeah, you were devil. ready. I was waiting, but you didn't use it, so I, I had to leap right. on it. You're right. We it had to get in somehow. I know. We were watching the movie. We were talking about Christoph and Christoph Waltz. And now I was going to make the joke like Christoph waltzed in. <laughs> and I'm glad that someone made that joke. But Thank yeah, you. so he waltzed in and saved the day. And that makes him my favorite character. All right. Who was your favorite character? Oh, we already did favorite character. Yeah. Who, what was your favorite scene? Uh, my favorite scene I've already kind of discussed in detail. It's that coffin nightmare. I just think it's really evocative and it's a really powerful Wes Craven scene. And the best scene in the movie. So there you go. What's your favorite scene? Yeah, so um, I have a tie for my favorite scene, actually. Okay. Um, the first favorite scene is him playing with the jaguar. Oh, yeah, because it's so cute. Yeah, we don't have to go into that. It's just a, it's just cute because he's playing with the jaguar, and I think it's everyone's dream to play with a big cat. It's definitely one of mine. Absolutely. Um, and then, but the my real favorite scene is like, uh, Kentucky Jones and Muriel, the doctor, um, have had this like sexual tension since the moment they've met. There was even oh, yeah. a, there was a, like a like a voiceover about it. Yeah, he has like a film noir private dick voiceover where he's like, "No oh. one told me she would be beautiful." Yeah, <laughs> she had legs that went all the way up to the rainbow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and my serpent was <laughs> look was excited. <laughs> uh, anyway, so. Uh, there's sexual tension forever, and then we get like three fourths of the way through the film, and um, this was when she's having her Prometheus moment, being like, "My faith and my job are two separate things, but they are connected." Mm -hmm. And he's like, she's like showing him the way, and they decide <laughs> they only have to spend one day. They they have to wait for essentially the thing to be done in one day, so they decide to spend like four days with this pilgrimage. I don't I don't know what happened there, but anyway, so he's like learning about the people and blah 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 and he's an anthropologist but uh they're talking about healing waters at this like cathedral and she like takes some water and like puts it on him and so he takes some water and like puts it on her you know and i make the but, joke okay well he puts it like right across her sternum yeah and i was like you are one inch away from like hitting nips <laughs> exactly but it was like one of those like really like slow like dramatic moments you know mm -hmm. and i made the joke while watching because i am frequently talking while watching uh but i made the joke and i was like next scene they're making out next scene 
Cut to like next scene. Full on penetration. <laughs> Literally, he's inside of her. You don't see anything. No, you it's... don't. Well, I mean, not at that point, but it's just like implied. Well, you do see a body double's boobs at one point. Yeah, but... oh. yeah, exactly. And like body body double's boobs from behind. Yeah. Yeah, and then that sex scene actually got really creepy because she had such a rigid posture. And you're like, she's going to become a voodoo zombie. She's going to get possessed. His yeah. penis is going to be a snake. Something terrible is going to happen. And, and then it just slows down. And then it ends. And you're like, I'm so scared right now. <laughs> and that's one of the beautiful tension of this movie. It's like you don't know what's real and what's fake. You don't know what what's voodoo and what's not. Like You just expect bad things to happen. Yeah. You know. So And the sex scene was supposed to be a good thing. And obviously, everyone was worried that it was a bad thing. So... Yeah, it was just, it was very strange and stylized, and I like that. Yeah, exactly. So that sex scene was, <laughs> all right. All right, um, we're going to move on to a segment that we're introducing for our Zombie History Month. I'm calling it Corpse Corner. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Thanks. Um, it mostly has to do with zombie tropes that haven't been introduced yet in terms of, well, I mean, like in terms of the year they had, but they weren't, they're not part, bleh, they don't really relate to the voodoo zombie thing, but I'm going to try to make it work. So um, let's start with favorite zombie. Shannon, what was your favorite zombie? My favorite zombie was Krista. Wow, what a surprise. I know. So Brennan, what was your favorite zombie? Uh, there's not really that many zombies, so I picked no. the evil bride zombie that breaks her jaw open because that's awesome. Yeah. All right. On to our next. What's our next? Uh, our next is most delicious human. Yay. Okay. So Which just take that as you will. You might want to eat them. You might want to like make out with them. I don't judge. I'm not going to ask. You could do both. Just don't ask. Don't tell. <laughs> there. Okay. So uh, I say most delicious human. Um, I'm doing it in a, like, kind of like a joking interpretation because there's just this yeah. one police officer and all the police are corrupt and they belong to the dictator, the voodoo dictator. Uh-huh. Um, but there's this one guy who like keeps showing up in the scene in these scenes. He's like, he's like the rock in the puddle of Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Like he just is there, you know. Um, but he has these crazy like sideburn mutton chop things that aren't really mutton chops. They're like yeah, they're like wi- whisker lightning bolt. Yeah, things. He, he like essentially like grew grew a beard and then shaved off so that it it connects his lip to his ear in a straight line. Yeah, it was really like a really modern like hipster facial hairstyle. Yeah, but um, you know, in nineteen eighties Haiti, he was kind of like um, the the James Bond villain Jaws. Like he's like a, he's a James Bond henchman. Like he has this weird thing, and he doesn't really do anything. He's just right. big and weird in the background. Right, exactly. He's like Cobra Bubbles. Anyway, <laughs> so um, yeah, he's great, and I just wanted to I wanted to find a way to talk about him on the podcast in some way because he oh, was yeah. obviously very fun. Uh, so he's my most delicious human. All right. Yeah. And my most delicious human is Marielle because her sex posture is bonkers. <laughs> like she's just really poised and tense. And I was like, all right, like you're you're working this. Let's let's go. Yeah. yeah. And your body devil's boobs, a plus. I, I don't know. They they were okay. <laughs> Not into it. But um, anyway, I just wanted to make a body double joke. So our our final thing, uh, our final bleh, our final portion of this segment is best death. So Shannon, what was the best death that you saw in the Serpent? E. L. Rainbow. You know the funny thing about this movie is there aren't really that many deaths. Like uh-huh. even though it's a zombie movie, there really aren't that many deaths. So um, 
my favorite was the the voodoo dictator which is going to be my new um dj name <laughs> um, but the voodoo dictator finally gets killed and he gets killed by rainbow i swear this movie is like is like nightmare too because it's low-key kind of gay yeah and it's like i i don't know if i believe that it wasn't written by wes craven <laughs> like it's so out there and dreamlike and the end's kind of a deus ex machina like mm-hmm. we're just like we gotta smash all these souls in these jars and it's like Okay. And every time you smash a jar, a rainbow comes out. And the <laughs> An rainbow, angel gets its wings. And then the rainbow attacks the devil, who is the voodoo dictator. He is the devil impersonated. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah. Essentially, he gets killed by rainbows and then locked to a chair because there there's this chair. Okay, we have to explain this a little bit. But essentially, voodoo dictator. Um, oh, he, the word? He, he tortured Bill Tortures. Pullman yes. by strapping him to a chair and... Like getting this huge crucifix nail and slamming in, slamming him in the junk with it, and to which that, that, that's another one of those things that they did not explain until later. Yeah, because yeah. after like maybe two scenes later, the guy's like, "Well, my scrotum is torn, but I'm fine." And I was like, "Oh, thank God!" <laughs> Literally, like you need to pass on your beautiful, weird, floppy blonde jeans. <laughs> um, Flop- also, floppy isn't hair. Yes, yes. <laughs> everything his serpent is not a floppy <laughs> um anyway i was very worried about that and it was it was it was a as, as a man watching that scene is no fun i'm glad the dictator was nice enough to preserve his family Manhood. jewels like yeah. for later usage um but but yeah so and that's part of of what haunts him so well, talking about the whole like gets buried alive and then thinks he's crazy like Part of it is like this chair becomes personified and starts moving towards him when he's trying to fight the voodoo dictator. And so when he's fighting the voodoo dictator, he like, I I don't know, like owns his torture and is able to like have the chair grab. This is why the movie's so weird. He like grabs the dictator and then straps him in. It's like the Horace Pinker massage chair. (laughs) Literally. And then like he uses telekinesis to grab a nail and then the nail spikes him in the junk just like you know that it happened to him uh-huh. and then he gets eaten by the floor literally eaten by by the floor like the floor just like eats him yeah it, it was a whole thing it, yeah you really have to watch the movie in order <laughs> to really understand why that was the best death but uh or my best yeah. death also i feel like every classic movie moment involves a scrotum somehow oh god you know like casino royale <laughs> um anyway my best death is there there's there's the bad voodoo guy and there's a good voodoo guy good voodoo guy i think he actually dies twice in the film but the second time that he dies um he rips off his own head and i feel like that's pretty self-explanatory why i loved that scene and then he throws it at the guy which i kind of wish i had that power but that's kind of like a it's got to be your ace in the hole because you can only use it once Mm -hmm. totally 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 anyway let's move on to the games all right, so with the games, what do you have in store for me today, Brennan? Okay, our first game, it's, our games are more thought puzzles this time, because mm-hmm. I wanted to give us a break. Good. Uh, last week's episode was really difficult to edit, so I was like, let's, let's let our brains simmer a little bit and have a nice discussion. I agree. Um, so our first game that we'll be playing is Cast the Remake, where we have three characters that we're going to cast in 2016. As if The Serpent in the Rainbow was getting a remake. Which Which would never happen. Box office receipts would seem to have that not be happening. 
But Gem and the Holograms got made, so the world is topsy turvy. You never but, know. Okay, says the person who bought the soundtrack. Shh, that's that's our little secret. Okay, anyway, so cast the remake. What three characters are we gonna be remaking? Um, the three characters we're gonna be uh, recasting are Dennis, the Bill Pullman's character, Marielle Kentucky Jones. What? Kentucky oh, Jones. Oh yeah, uh, Marielle, the main doctor lady. And Dargent Petroud, the evil dictator. And then Voodoo we can dictator. decide whose actors are best. Okay. Sounds good. Um, I'll start then. Okay. So for Dennis, because we don't have a um, floppy blonde haired gorgeous man, I figured we'd do Zac Efron and we can grow out his hair and dye it blonde. I actually kind of want to see that. That'd be interesting. Okay. Um, Marielle. I mean, well, let's just let 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 me read oh, mine right. and yeah. Okay, we're gonna switch off. Yeah, cool. Go ahead. See, because Zac Efron, I obviously do n- never object to his casting in any film ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like Dennis was kind of like an '80s sex symbol in that, like, when he took his shirt off, it wasn't s- that impressive. Right. Like it was like he's just a guy. So I wanted to pick. Um, I don't know if you know him, but his name is James Ransone. And he was in the Sinister franchise. He plays Deputy So-and-So. And and he's just kind of like this kind of awkward guy with like floppy hair. And his eyebrows move every time he talks. They're like little caterpillars crawling all over his face. And I I feel like he's got that kind of handsome, kind of goofy quality that kind of works for that character. Oh, okay. He's got some interesting tattoos. Yeah. he's, He's an interesting guy. And I think he'd have that weird... Gumby quality that Bill Pullman displayed occasionally, especially when he was reanimated and trying to learn how to walk again. He was just flopping all over like a pancake. Right. All right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, shall we move on, or are we gonna decide? When uh, we should decide who casts okay. who, who to cast. Okay. I feel like I feel like Zac Efron's okay. Yeah, I was gonna say because your character is thirty six, and while realistically an anthropo uh, an anthropological doctor. Would be thirty six. Well, I feel like his this is a movie. Younger. Well, yeah, that's true. Okay, Zach like Efron's like twenty seven. So yeah, pretend I don't know that. Anyway, moving on. Uh, who would you cast for Marielle? Okay, so for Marielle, um, I would cast Lupita Nyong'o. Uh, mostly because she's gorgeous. You can't cast anyone white in this role. The whole Obviously. point is that yeah. I mean, they got to play Haitian. Right. Exactly. Um, she would also like if we casted her in the role, she would be nearly the darkest person in the film, too. Um, because even while even while some of the main guy characters like Mozart, they're dark. They're not like very dark, you mm-hmm. know. Which and like she is beauty, she is grace. She would nail that sex scene, and she'd be even creepier. It's true. Just because I'm sure she could like pull off this crazy like ballerina posture that's so like beautifully bizarre and not how people have sex. Yeah, and she's Maz. Like, how can you go wrong? Oh, yeah. Uh, my casting decision for Marielle is John Boyega <laughs> from Star Wars. Because <laughs> I was like, why not go with the gender swap thing? It's 2016. Like, John Boyega is not going to get to play a gay character in Star Wars, no matter how much the fan people wish that it'll happen. Um, so I feel like getting like him and Zac Efron together would be a pretty cool matchup, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking about it now. 
Although, I think you're still winning because Lupita Nyong'o is obviously like the best choice She's so for this gorgeous. role. And she needs more roles because I feel like yeah, I haven't seen her a lot recently. Exactly. I mean, I love that she's been doing stuff and that she's prominent in like a whole bunch of really awesome things. But give her more roles. I want to see her in more movies. Yeah, absolutely. And I like the weird movies that require six hours of me watching the movie plus two days of me emotionally reconnecting with the <laughs> All okay, right. Last one. Dargent Petroud. However you pronounce it, whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Eddie Murphy because I've heard that in real life, and I don't know the guy, but I've heard that in real life he treats everyone horribly and that he doesn't let oh. them look at him in the eyes. And That's weird. Yep. And um, that he's just a really mean, and I think that he can play true to that in his own life. Okay. So, voodoo dictator, um, Eddie Murphy. And he's known for being funny, so him being the opposite of that would be extra terrifying. Okay. I follow your logic there, Mm -hmm. but I think I have a a trump card for you. Let's see. Two words. Idris Elba. (laughs) Oh, no. You did not pull that card. Like, he'd be great, right? Because he played a bad guy in No Good Deed. Like, he can do it. He can be evil and creepy. And I feel like he's been in enough bad movies that he knows how to ham it up enough. Right. Like, he was in the awful Prom Night remake. Yeah. He was in Obsession with Beyonce. You're the worst. I will give Idris Elba any role. If he wants to be the new Cinderella, I would give him that role. That would be a great movie. It would. I would. He would rock that dress. Mm-hmm. You know it for sure. Okay, fine. You win that yeah, one. Yeah. One out of three for Brennan. <laughs> Let's move on to the next game. Quit while I'm losing. <laughs> um, this next game we're going to be playing every single episode of our Zombie History Month also. It's our Zombie Apocalypse Survival Game, which is if we were dealing with this particular brand of zombie, who are three people from Scream 101 films that you would want on your team to help defend you? So how about you start, Shannon? You can just re- talk about all three a little bit. Okay, so this is my this is my zombie team. All right. Okay, we have David Bowie. I mean, he's an alien, so I feel like they could combat each other that way. Yeah, and uh, you know, voodoo, mm-hmm. voodoo, you do remind me of the babe. Uh, <laughs> so uh, mostly just for the voodoo reference, to be honest. So David Bowie, uh, second Sex Machine. Uh, I mean, obviously Tom Savini. You never go wrong, you, you know. Any situation. A penis gun would help. Yeah, and you know what? If he got tortured, hopefully it hit the gun, not his actual gun, and you'll be fine. Uh, And then oh yeah, you're right. It it, it would defend him against Idris Elba's evil dictator. It would, it would. Um, And then last, Laurie Strode. I wanted a girl for for the team. You know, got to make it even two Uh and two. Uh, And I was thinking about the badasses that we've had, and she obviously Halloween. Everyone knows how I feel about Halloween. but she's great, and she could bring knitting needles and just use yeah. those. She's resourceful. You'd have to keep an eye on her and make sure she double taps because she has That's a tendency right. to drop a weapon after she uses it. That's right. She'd have to pack like 20 knives because yeah. she uses one, drops it. Use the next one, drop it. So I feel like that's a solid team. Yeah, it'd but be. Yeah. I kind of want to watch them interact with each other. Like I feel like that'd be interesting. That'd be a great you know? movie. Absolutely. Like the virgin and the sex machine and the whoever the hell the other one is. Yeah, yeah. David Bowie, the weird. Oh, yeah, he's he's both. Guy. He's a virgin sex machine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, your turn. Okay. My zombie apocalypse team for Serpent in the Rainbow Voodoo Zombies. First of all, 
uh, Credence from Troll 2. Oh, my God. Because yes. she she can harness the power of Stonehenge to, like, counteract the voodoo curses. That would be so funny. That would be, oh, I'm so mad I should have done that. Keep going. Sorry about it. Also, obviously, I need a spirit animal to guide me on my quest, so ghost cat. <laughs> <laughs> You're just picking the worst movies and <laughs> the main characters. And then uh, the janitor from Stage Fright. Because oh, no. he can shoot any zombie right between the eyes. Yes. Right between the eyes. And he and Ghost Cat would get along so well. Oh, yeah. Because, oh. oh, he has that cat Lucifer. Yeah. That I'm sure he misses because I think it ran away. Yeah. Because people have left letting it out. That's mm-hmm. why I had to lock the door. Oh. I think that, I mean, Lucifer is friends with the killer now, so. That's so good. Hey, you know Shaun of the Dead? Yeah. You know how, like, they, they have that one moment where, like, the two zombie teams, like, cross paths and they notice that they have... Oh, yeah, they're, like, mirrors of each other. Yeah. I, I just want our our teams to just, like, cross paths once. You yeah. Know? Ghost cat, sex machine. <laughs> That'd be a really... That would be a great, like, episode of a sitcom. Yeah. Oh, man. And, uh, you know, in 20 years when we have our own TV show... Well, 10 years when we have our own TV show mm-hmm. and we uh, have If we're not married people. yet... <laughs> Oh, God. Don't get Tom started. Oh, um, no. I don't uh, think he listens to this. Yeah, hopefully not. Um. Anyway, so that's awesome. I like your team. I like my team, too. Thank I like you. both our teams. There's no winning involved in this part. I mean, my team wins, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's move on to our recommendations. All right. Sounds good. Uh, I guess I'll start. Uh, my recommendation, I was going to recommend a Culture Clash type movie. And please take this recommendation with a grain of salt maybe a larger grain of salt like a boulder of salt or like a pillar of salt like Like a plane of salt. yeah like lot's wife of salt um (laughs) it's (laughs) thank you sorry biblical references make me laugh (laughs) (laughs) okay i didn't i've i guess i've never pushed that button before (laughs) anyway um my recommendation is a 1981 slasher movie called bloody moon it's about a okay it's a west german film shot in german with a spanish director set in spain at a spanish language school okay so there's a whole bunch of culture clash going on in there and it's super insane it's real bad but really fun bad like there's a girl who's a super an idiot and she goes out with the killer even though she doesn't see his face because she's just like super horny and is jealous of all her friends who are having sex with each other and she gets tied to this big concrete block and she's like oh you're into that kind of stuff i'm down i've what heard kind of stuff you know like uh concrete block snm 50 shades <laughs> of gray stuff you know okay um but the film has this really awful um english language dub and the iconic line from that scene is, suffering is good for pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> and a lady gets stabbed through the boob. Like, it's not a waste of your time, really. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Shannon, what's your recommendation? So I'm recommending Nightbreed, which we watched and reviewed on this podcast. But let me clarify. Nightbreed, the director's cut. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, yes. Very important that you watch the director's cut because you miss, like, the entire movie if you don't. Um, but the reason that I do that is because uh, the main character, who I can't remember his name, 
I don't know. He kind of looks like a wolf man. Whatever. The main character goes through this entire thing where he is dead, but he also is not dead, and he's confused about what's happening to him, which is similar to what the Kentucky Jones character goes through in this movie. Um, but it's a lot of also culture. Like, you're you're t- taken from this world of, of like, normal-esque, and then taken, and now he's living in something different, and it's kind of like a similar situation with both the movie that we watched for today's podcast and Nightbreed director's cut um also it's just weird af and so (laughs) y'all can enjoy it because if you enjoyed how weird this movie is then you will definitely enjoy Nightbreed director's cut all right cool yeah and onto our clue segment as for the clue from last week next week we will be watching lucio fulci's classic film zombie also known as zombie 2 <laughs> yeah um we'll get into that the italians have a uh, a way with their magics but it's a late 70s italian zombie film when the italians were just going crazy um the giallo movement was just ending um the zombie movement was ramping up their exorcist ripoff uh, their exorcist ripoff movement was kind of like in the middle their cannibal movement was just starting like it was going crazy and these films are crazy it's a lucio fulci film and shannon really liked the beyond so i'm excited to watch this one with her yeah i'm hoping it'll be good because i'm i'm liking how i'm liking how one i'm starting to learn about my taste as far as like i like the 70s horror i didn't think i would like the 70s yeah horror me as neither much as i do and that's why it took so long to get there right i know and two that i like specific directors so like i obviously um john carpenter i really love uh-huh. and then if i like this then it might start me on this long path of chichi films lucio full chichi films oh yeah oh that's gonna be crazy yeah we'll watch see. the new york ripper where the killer quacks like donald duck oh you could watch murder rock dancing death <laughs> oh he's he's got some stuff anyway um and here's the clue for the episode two weeks from now. Zombie History Month continues with a film that really should have come before next week's topic. Drop a vowel and you're halfway there, which leaves you stuck somewhere in the Atlantic. Whoa, living on a prayer. Yeah, that. <laughs> That's not part of the clue. It's not an official. It's not. It's, it's not officially endorsed by the clue segment. It's not. All right, great. So this uh, pretty much concludes our podcast. Other than the contact info, Brennan, go. Uh, if you have guesses for that clue, if you have any uh, questions, comments, con- deep concerns about the serpent in the rainbow, you can contact us on Twitter at Scream One Hundred One Pod, on Facebook at Scream One Hundred One Podcast, via email at Scream One Hundred One Podcast at gmail dot com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Rate and review us. Give us five stars because we do this to you for free. <laughs> um. And we'll be playing you out with Youngblood from Gem and the Holograms. Perfect. I'm so glad. Who's got the heart of a hunter? Pounding like thunder, prowling the night. I like an Indian summer, beat of a drummer. If you got young blood, let the party red hot, feeling naughty. Get loose, go grab somebody. 
I mean, it's like a culture that's very, oh my God. It's a culture that's very, um, one sec. Let me come up with this word. Um. <laughs> All right, bye everyone. You're See welcome. Ya. Bye. Bye. Yeah, we got young, but live the party. Sad, stop, stink, stop, <laughs>